They have a mental belief that accepts the facts about God and about Christ, but they are lost spirits, forever lost. Their knowledge is a knowledge that damns them. And James comes in, and he gives this very terse word of warning. Make sure that your faith is more than what the devils have. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and today we're looking at the subject of the faith of devils. We're turning to chapter 2 in the book of James, and we read here that even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God that thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Well, I trust that today that this will shake us up to realize that we need a true, pure, saving faith in the Lord Jesus. Not in the facts, but in the grace of trusting the Lord Jesus as our very own personal Savior. But firstly, we have our Luther lesson for today, and we come to those 95 theses nailed to the church door at Wittenberg. Today we come to another Luther lesson, Tetzel's Antitheses. They even contain this declaration, that whoever says that the soul does not escape out of purgatory as soon as the money tinkles in the chest is in error. But above all, he put forward propositions that according to which the Pope seemed actually seated as God in the temple of God, according to the Apostle's expression. It was convenient for this shameless trafficker to take shelter with all his disorders and scandals under the mantle of the Pope. He declared himself ready to maintain the following propositions before the numerous assembly by which he was surrounded. Here is now the first of Tetzel's antitheses. He said, We should teach Christians that the Pope, by the greatness of his power, is above the whole universal church and superior to the councils, and that we should implicitly obey his decrees. Here's another one. We should teach Christians that the Pope alone has the right of deciding in all matters of Christian faith that he alone, no one besides him, has power to interpret the meaning of Scripture according to his own views, and to approve or condemn all the words or writings of other men. Then Tetzel went on to teach again. Now Tetzel, of course, is the seller of indulgences whom Luther withstood. He said, We should teach Christians that the judgment of the Pope cannot err in matters concerning the Christian faith, or which are necessary to the salvation of the human race. And next, we should teach Christians that in matters of faith, we should rely and repose more on the Pope's sentiments, as made known by his decisions, than on the opinions of all the learned, which are derived merely from Scripture. Oh, boy, these just keep going on. Here's another one. 
We should teach Christians that those who endure the honor, the dignity of the Pope are guilty of high treason and deserve to be accused. Now again, these are the words of the man Tetzel whom Luther withstood. Again, he said, we should teach Christians that there are many things which the church regards as indisputable articles of universal truth, although they are not to be found in the canon of the Bible or in the writings of the ancient doctors. And finally, this man Tetzel said, we should teach Christians to regard as obstinate heretics all who declare by their words, acts, or writings that they will not retract their heretical propositions. Even excommunication after excommunication fall upon them like heel or rain. Well, I think all of these things only add up to one thing, that he was a man sold out to serve money under the Pope rather than serve the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Martin Luther protested, and he took his 95 theses and withstood this heretic. We thank God today for the Protestant Reformation, for the stand of Martin Luther, and for the power of the gospel that flooded Europe, turning it from darkness to the light of true Reformed religion through the Bible and faith in Christ Jesus. May God visit this land of Canada with another revival and reformation, for we need to see this nation turn back to God and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. listening to Let the Bible Speak, and we are turning to our pulpit ministry from the Free Presbyterian Church, James chapter 2, on the faith of devils. May this be a means of checking on your own faith, if you're trusting, relying on the Lord Jesus as your own personal Savior. A particular story in Matthew chapter 8 that we want to look at tonight, it is the Lord uh, releasing 
the legion of devils out of the man who was in the tombs day and night. And he was ferocious, a terrible encounter. We have already talked about the demon that was in the synagogue. What, a, what an arrangement. Someone in the synagogue supposedly worshiping, and yet out of that person speaks a devil, and he's terrorized. Art thou come to destroy us? Now, let's go to Matthew 8, 28, and we'll read here just the situation and see how these demons trembled at the very nearness and encounter with the Lord. Matthew 8, verse 28. When he was come onto the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, now that is the same as Gadara or the Gadarenes, there met him two possessed with devils, coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And you'll see that these demons terrorized the neighborhood. There were people who would not even dare enter into that area. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? See how they acknowledged the, the Sonship of Christ? Art thou come to torment us before the time? You can see that they, they were quite aware of their future doom, quite aware that in the end of earth's history, that every fallen wicked angel, every demon, would be tormented for all eternity. And they say, Lord, art thou come hither to torment us? And we read here in verse 30, And there was a good way off from them, and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out. So they didn't know what the Lord would do in the immediate here. He did, they didn't know what the Lord would do to them. But they certainly knew that they were in big trouble. And they asked this question, If thou cast us out, suffer us, that means allow us, Permit us to go away into the herd of the swine. And he said unto them, Go. That was a command. And they left those that they were tormenting in the graveyard, and they fled into that herd of swine. Now, that story doesn't end very well either, because these swine or pigs that are possessed of devils they immediately flee to the water and drown and becomes a notorious story. And the sad thing is that the whole city is so alarmed by all of this, they said, Jesus, leave. Don't stay in the city. A very sad response to the miracle of the Lord dispossessing these men of these demons. But the account shows us that the devils tremble at the authority of the Lord Jesus. Now, Christ's authority over devils is the result, of course, of his cross work. And it is because that at the cross, the Lord Jesus conquered, spoiling principality and powers, that every demon of hell recognizes Jesus as Lord or Son of God. Now, they don't confess him as Lord, because no man can confess Lord without the Holy Spirit. The devils don't have that kind of faith. All the faith they have is the faith to acknowledge, 
to agree, to accept the truth. They can't but accept the truth, but they do not have anything that comes close to saving faith. And I hope this evening that this exposure of false faith, this dead faith, that it will cause you to examine your own heart and ask, what kind of faith do I have? I know the Bible to some degree. I've heard the gospel over and over. I do believe in God. I believe in Christianity. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior of the world. I believe that he will be judge on that eternal day. I agree with all of those points, but am I saved? That is a huge question tonight that you must answer in light of this dead faith that brings forth no works that is meet for true repentance and true salvation. Now, I come to the third point tonight, which is that Living faith cannot be hidden. And James, he, he asks, I will show thee my faith by my works. Now, unlike dead faith, which cannot be seen, living faith shines out in a believer's life. It tells its own story of a new life that works for God. Now, let me get this straight. Works do not produce faith. Rather, we have to flip the coin and recognize it is faith that produces works. Our works will never bring us into a saving relationship with God, but for everyone that has a true saving relationship with God, there will be new works in their life. That's the teaching of James in this passage. And you'll notice here that true faith will confess that there is one true God. We are monotheists, and the devils know that too. There is one true and living God. Also, living faith or saving faith will confess Jesus Christ as Savior. He's not just the Savior. He's my Savior. And I am not tormented by His presence because He's come to destroy or to torment us, but rather my saving faith looks unto Jesus as Savior to redeem, recover, restore my soul, and bring into my life the blessing and the fellowship of God. And I acknowledge that Jesus took a human body because he came into the world to save men, women, boys and girls, sinners just like me. We're told in Hebrews 2.16, For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. And it was in that body that the Lord Jesus went to the cross, a body like my body, a body that has the same human features to a cell. He had a perfect human body. And in that body, he went to the cross to suffer, and he became not my tormentor, but he bore the torment of hell himself in his own body, that by his suffering in my place, he would save me from sin. 
Devils cannot say that. But if you're a Christian tonight, you can. If you are a believer, a, a believer with saving faith, you can look upon the Lord Jesus and say, There is my Savior. He bore the torment of hell for me, and he brings peace and salvation for me. Now, living faith then, or saving faith, will boast in the cross. The devils don't have that. They don't boast and brag in the cross because at the cross, the dominions and powers of hell were defeated. And you can study Colossians 2.15 in that area, that passage, where the Lord, by his death on the cross, spoiled principalities and powers, put them to flight. He was like a, a conquering general who, by his power, destroyed all his and our enemies by his death on that cross. Now, the devils don't want to even hear that. But tonight, we're boasting in the cross. It's the very thing that we are delighting in, and it is good news to our souls. It is the joy of our testimony that the Lord Jesus took my place and died for me. And that brings us that the saving faith it's not just head knowledge. It's not just assenting to different things, but it is clinging, literally clinging to the cross of Christ as our only way of salvation. Now, this week I learned a new word to put into my toolbox of gospel preaching. And it is, I found this in Thomas Manton's work on the book of James. And he talked about faith that is affiance, affiance. Now, it's not a word I was familiar with, so I wanted to determine what it is. And it actually is a French word, and it's close to the word fiancé. Now, when does a man become a fiancé, or when does a woman become a fiancé? When they make a pledge, or a betrothal of marriage. It is a heart commitment. Saving faith contains in it an affiance, a loyalty pledge. This is what I'm looking to for salvation. I take Christ as my Redeemer, Savior, husband, if you will, in the language of Christ, is the groom, the church is the bride, and we want to be united to him. And there is in saving faith this loyalty of the heart. It is a heart trusting in the saving power of the Lord Jesus. Now, I liked this word and its meaning— because when I read in Acts 8.37, where the Ethiopian asked Philip, What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. There's the affiance. There's the loyalty of the heart. Now, let me ask you tonight. Do you have the faith that is a love loyal relationship with the Son of God. That's the evidence. That's the proof. That's what cuts to the quick. 
and by which we can examine whether we have just the faith of devils or if we have the faith that really saves. It comes down to love. If you cannot say tonight that I love the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior, you may only have the faith of devils. Because saving faith, regeneration, salvation wins the heart, and the heart affections are given over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, another great text, maybe you want to turn to this one, Romans 10, verse 9. Romans 10, 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do you notice there the believing in the heart? Saving faith is a work within the heart. It draws the heart to seek the Lord Jesus. And I plead with you tonight to make 100% sure that you have not settled for the faith of devils that is mere knowledge, assent, acknowledgement, and yet works terror in your heart. That's the faith of devils. What a Christian needs and what makes a Christian is a heart that is in love with the love of Christ, won over by the Savior's love poured out at the cross, and you are truly in love with Him. One more mark of living faith. We're going here to James 2 and verse 20. James 2 verse 20. And another mark of saving faith the example will be Abraham. But what wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son unto the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? And by his works was faith made perfect. And now the key verse is verse 23. And the Scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abram believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness. Imputed means the transfer of all the perfect works, the perfect life, the perfect death, the perfect resurrection, the perfections, and all the accomplishments of the Lord Jesus as the second Adam, the Redeemer of his people, all of his triumphs over the devil, all his suffering on the cross, all the power of his blood shedding, all of that was wrapped up and woven into a garment of perfect righteousness placed to the account or put upon the person who believes in the gospel. And so tonight, your faith, if it is in Christ, it is in his righteousness imputed to you. The devil can never say that. No demon in hell can claim a title to the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus. All the faith that they have makes them tremble out of terror. It brings them no clothing of peace 
and of reconciliation with God. Tonight, you need faith in the Redeemer, faith in His cross, faith in His righteousness, perfect works, perfect life, transferred to your account, imputed to you, that you are now saved. And so to wrap up, do you see the deficiency of the faith of devils? The kind of faith that cannot be seen in the life at all, even to the smallest degree, and they will be judged by their works. They have a works righteousness of their own, and they are doomed. We're told in Revelation 20 that the the wicked also are going to be judged by their works. And I saw the dead small and great stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. That's the judgment of the wicked. That will never be the judgment of the saint. That will never be the judgment of the man or woman who has come to personal saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll prove that from one text. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. He that believeth on the Son. Do you have that personal faith leading you to a heart loyalty, a deep-seated love for the one who suffered in your place and gives you his perfections to clothe you for heaven? Do you love him? If you can say tonight, I love my Lord Jesus, you do have a faith that is so different from the faith of devils. It's the difference of night and day. It is then a genuine faith, a comforting faith, an assuring faith, and it will last for all eternity. The Bible says, you shall not see death. The wrath of God will not abide upon you because you have believed on the Son of God. Now, are you saved tonight? Do you say, forsaking all, I trust him? Will you answer that before God tonight? If you're not saved, I invite you to trust the Lord this evening. I not only invite you, I beseech you. I plead with you. Do not settle for the faith of devils, but believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart, and thou shalt be saved. If I can be of help, please maybe just sit in the seat where you are tonight while others go to the foyer, and I'll come back and talk to you. And we'll open the Scriptures and show you how you can have assurance of true saving faith. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.lt 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music